Would you just hold your hands out before the Lord like this this morning? When we come before God, this is a, it's kind of a posture we're taking in our spirit that we stand with open arms, willing for him to put whatever he desires to put into our hands. Some days it's a blessing. Some days it's a challenge or a job or a task. Some days it's a, it's a burden that we're to carry, some, a weight that's heavy upon us and we carry it and we bring it back to him and we lay it at his feet. But in this posture, this is a posture of, of life for us as a believer where we're saying, God, whatever you have for me, I, I willingly embrace what you have for me today. I receive it. So Father, today we stretch out our hands like this and we, we stand here, Lord, with our hands like this because it symbolizes the posture of our heart that we're ready here today to receive what you have for us. Lord, you know, whatever journey we are on, whatever part of the journey we're on, no matter how difficult the road seems or, Father, how many blessings have been directed my way recently, I recognize that, Lord, I, I walk it all out by the grace of God. That, Father, your love is the thing that is the driving force behind, Father, my receiving, my giving, my doing. And, Father, today we just take this posture before you and we receive what you have for us in worship and father and in in word this morning we thank you god that we are here and we receive from you today as your children in jesus name amen 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 you may be seated this morning good to see your smiling faces and Brittany, while you're already standing why don't you just step out in the aisle here and Show off your little uh, blessing here to everybody this morning. Little Rhett is here in the house this morning. Look at that. Woo, come on. Dylan, uh, is, is she showing off enough or should she come right up to the front? Like, you don't want to, you know, okay, Dylan's saying you can stay right there. He's, he, he's letting you. He's more gracious than I'd be, but uh, congratulations, you guys, and good to see the little one starting off the right way in the house of the Lord. You know, uh, praise God. It is so good to see you here this morning. And I realize this has been a challenging time. And as we try to navigate, you know, uh, what's going on, I know that the government's now vacillating on lifting the last level of restrictions and stuff like that. So we're just kind of, how how do they say that? I think Indiana Jones said it in the first movie. He said, we're just making this up as we go along. So that's kind of how we're handling things right now and uh, doing our best to keep up with everything that's going on. But how many know that we are the loved of the Lord? Amen. Amen. And that Jesus is truly the one who is on the throne and that uh, every other governmental authority is subject to him. Amen. Amen. And so we're so glad that you're here this morning and uh, we love you and we are grateful that you are here and welcome to everybody who's watching us either live or throughout the week. We're so glad that you took the time to spend with us here at Desert Stream. Amen. Well, as I announced last week, we were hoping to have Kids Church going this Sunday, but we need more volunteers. Everybody say volunteers. So we need need people. I know we're not used to this whole working in the house of the Lord thing. This is new. And, uh, you know, it's been a year and a half, so people are like, I mean, I actually have to come and do something. Yep, we're looking for volunteers. We need volunteers in those different areas. We're not sure about the primary department uh, because of physical spacing that we're supposed to do there, whether we're going to be able to pull that off. But 
Uh, we're hoping to get kids church started because uh, we can probably put 20 or 30 kids in there properly and be able to have a good time with the kids together. Wouldn't that be good? So um, uh, if you could help us out with that, because we'll need some help with everything from registration to helping out with the kids uh, when they you know, need to be reminded of what they can and can't do and all that kind of stuff, uh, we would really appreciate hearing from you. Pastor Mark is in the office this week. He was on holidays last week. You can give him a call. He'd love to hear from you. Uh, he loves to have volunteers. So that's what makes the church go around is it is a ministry built on the spirit of the volunteer. Amen? I didn't get a single amen to that. Amen? Thank you. Wow. Lord, either they're not paying attention or they disagree. I hope it was they weren't paying attention. But anyway, uh, praise God. <laughs> praise God. We're still looking forward to and planning on doing a barbecue in some modified format on September the 12th. And so we're looking forward to putting our new kitchen to work. It hasn't had a real workout yet. Did get a little bit of one when we had kids camp here and uh, we had some people working in there and Lloyd and Anna worked well. Things were good. Uh, they, other than trying to figure out how to set the time and clocks on the stoves and the microwaves so they all matched, I think everything else was good. You know, uh, Lloyd's military needed to have everything matching. It was, it's got to be the same, right? Clocks all have to be running the same. But anyway, we're looking forward to being able to use that and having some time together of fellowship. It'll be good, won't it? Amen. Uh, just a couple other reminders. Um, uh, the, uh, again, thank you so much for people that have been doing the giving online. If you want to do it with the machine, you can. We don't bother putting the baskets out right now, but the boxes at the back, the little black mailboxes, you can just drop it in there. It gets collected after the service, and uh, so you can drop it in there. So if you've used the machine, uh, we like you using the machine. It's cheaper than using it online for us. The fees are lower. Uh, so um, if you do that, you can drop it in the box at the back course, we understand that the uh, convenience that the app has made for people during COVID has been uh, a lifeline both for us and for people who have a desire to give. And so we understand that. But if you're here and you do it on the machine at the back, or if you put a cash in an envelope, whatever, just drop it in the black boxes at the back. That would be fantastic. Amen. Amen. How many know God is good? Uh, how many were excited to see Benita here last week? Wasn't that fantastic? And uh, we were so pleased as she is trying to figure out when her actual flight's going to go out. Things have been a little dicey uh, at home for her, so she's going to figure out when she's going to head back to Cuba. And so we just ask you to keep her in prayer. And uh, as she gets the last bit of her strength back, she's still walking a little bit with a cane when she's uh, out in public and stuff. But man, it is miraculous what God has done. Amen. And we're so grateful to the Lord. Uh, some of you may remember Peter Weber, who was with us uh, from Calgary. Uh, he was part of a group of churches uh, with, um, with Cotton, Church of the Nation. So that would be with um, Marilyn and Tony Fitzgerald and with a group of them. Anyway, he pastors a church in Calgary. He was diagnosed with cancer about six months ago. And he's had a really tough journey. And, uh, you know, the past couple of weeks have been really hard. Peter's having a hard time uh, keeping food down. He's lost a lot of weight. He's been in and out of the hospital with treatments. And uh, he's just in his 40s, a young man. We're going to ask you this morning to join with me in prayer. We're going to pray for Peter this morning. We're going to believe God to heal his body and to make him 100% whole. Uh, they are thankful there's no new spots of cancer, but they're needing the ones that are there to shrink and we're believing God for a complete restoration in his life. Amen. So would you just take it your hands this morning? And I know Peter's 
uh, in Calgary, but we're just going to reach out to God today. Father, in Jesus' name, we're lifting Peter Weber up to you today. And Father, we're asking for you to bring health and healing into his body. Father, we ask, Father, for you to reach down by your great surgical hand and, Father, to do the work that needs to be done in his body to eradicate his body of this uh, foreign invader called cancer that has taken root in his body. We're asking you to flush that from him in Jesus' name. We're asking you to heal him, Lord, and to restore strength and vitality back to him so that he may not only continue uh, with Teresa's wife and his children, Father, as a dad and and as a husband, but Father, also as the man of God, the minister that you've called him to be, Father, doing the work that you've called him to do. And Father, we ask it today in Jesus' name, and we all agreed together and said, Amen. Amen. Please keep him in prayer. We would really appreciate that, and we'll do our best to bring you updates about what's going on with, uh, with Peter as well. Well, it's good to see your faces this morning, and I'm not going to jabber on here any longer. I'm going to turn it back to the worship team. Just uh, to let you know, Pastor uh, Henshaw, he's on holidays now. His mom and dad are in the area, oh, came in from the States, from uh, Spokane, <laughs> Spokane, and uh, also that Barry's in Aquasosny this morning, so uh, just keep him in prayer as well. And we're so grateful for the opportunity for these guys to be out and have some time away from here, but doing something important otherwise. Amen? Praise the Lord. Let's stand together this morning as we go back to worship.
loves me this I know for the Bible tells me so little ones to him belong they are weak but he is strong yes Jesus loves me yes Jesus loves me Yes, Jesus loves me, the Bible tells me so. The Bible does tell us that, doesn't it? Repeatedly, over and over and over again. He's motivated by his love. Amen? You may be seated this morning. You know, worship team, thank you so much, guys. Praise the Lord. Yeah, amen. Uh, you know, Jeff was supposed to be at the cottage this weekend. He came in this morning just to help us get things going technically. So uh, praise God for him. I, was, then I saw he wasn't up there playing. Then I was like, what's going on? Is there a problem? No, no, he's just finally left with his kids. So they're gone. <laughs> Poor guy. Uh, had to come in on his weekend off and help us get going. Praise the Lord uh, for people with skill. Amen? Wow. Praise God. Well, um, we've been talking about uh, excellence this month, and Barry did a great job re-preaching my message last week. I was so excited about that. And, uh, you know, uh, it was fantastic and really enjoyed it. Uh, it was good to he hear myself back uh, through somebody else's lens. Nice to know that he took notes and paid attention. My goodness, it was awesome. And uh, so this morning, uh, I only got done the first couple points, so last, uh, two weeks ago, so this morning I want to finish. But when we're talking about excellence, the, I made a few points in the beginning that I want to reiterate this morning. First of all, when we're talking about excellence, we're not talking about perfection. A lot of times people become perfectionists, you know, and you ever met those kind of people? They're so persnickety, right? And every little thing has got to be, you know, done in this OCD way that drives you right crazy. How many know somebody who's like that? Go on. Sure. And it drives you nuts, doesn't it? And, you know, Jesus isn't looking for perfection, but he is looking for you to be on a journey of being perfected in him. None of us are going to be perfect until we're with him, Right? But he is looking for us to be growing in him. And that, that idea of excellence is about getting better every day, of becoming more like Jesus Christ. And uh, excellence is an excellent attitude for us to have. And uh, we need to look at how do we get better at doing everything we're doing. We started live streaming, for example, 
last March, and we've just looked at getting better at it uh, all the time. And we're constantly learning things and constantly upgrading things and doing things, and it has not been without its problems. But every problem we encounter is an opportunity to learn. Someone say amen. Do you approach problems that way? When you have a problem, it's an opportunity to learn. And, uh, you know, we were, we were cutting all the old door trim off our house. And you know how when they, they put door casing on and they run that bead of caulking between the jam and the casing, and it's so thick that when you go to cut it off, it's like all this gummy caulking is still there. How many know what I'm talking about? It's, it's gobbed on there. So I'm trying to take a razor blade and trim it back down. And, and sometimes the blade will go into the pine of the case, uh, the jam, and you'll ruin it. And I'm thinking, there's got to be an easier way. And then Ryan walks by me and he says, hey, dad, have you, have you discovered the easier way to do that? And I said, no, what is it? He goes, I haven't discovered it either. So just let me know if you figured it out. I'm like, ah, oh, yes, smart Alec, you know? So then I sent him a video yesterday because I did figure out an easier way. I got my belt sander out and I just gently ran the belt sander on the door jam. And uh, guess what? It just peels that caulking off and throws it away and gives you a nice smooth baby's bottom edge when you're done. So I sent the video to him. So I uh, said, so there's how you get it off. Uh, and, you know, the problem was there and the problem uh, gave me an opportunity to figure out a way around it. And a lot of times we encounter problems in life and God's just looking for us to find an excellent way around it. COVID has presented us with all kinds of problems and you as the body of Christ have found really excellent ways to work around it. Whether And just beginning with live streaming, but by reaching out to your neighbors, finding ways to, to, to you know, deliver food to people, to take care of people, to just look for ways to get into people's lives in a meaningful way, all of which you might not even have thought about if it hadn't have been for the problem that COVID presented and all the restrictions and lockdowns presented to us. We find a way. Amen? We find That's what excellence is about. It's about finding a way around our problems. It's not about looking for perfection, because when you're looking for perfection, if you look for it in yourself and you place the burden of perfection upon yourself, then it may cause you to actually work a little better and work a little harder, but it also adds this weight on you that you'll suffer from self-defeat whenever you fail. And so if you're looking for perfection of yourself, it can, can cause a lot of anxiety and a lot of self-defeat issues. And worse than looking for perfection in yourself is looking for it in others. Hello? When you're looking for it in others, that weight of unmet expectation in other people is probably one of the greatest weights that sits on our society. As we look at other people and we expect something from them that they were not able to give, and it drives us crazy. We have to release people of those expectations of perfection. Amen? I don't expect my wife to be perfect. She's close, but I don't expect her to be perfect. But I do expect her to love me, right? That's a reasonable expectation. The perfection, she just gets more and more perfect the more she hangs around me, of course. But, you know, the, but looking for that in one another is a killer to your marriage. You know, if you're looking for your spouse uh, to be perfect, then you know what? You are, you are putting a weight on that person, on your relationship that it cannot sustain. Amen? But what we need to do is we need to love them with everything that's within us. And when we do that, then we end up producing something that's good. That brings me to our passage, which was from Philippians chapter 2, and I won't take time to read that whole passage again this morning from chapter 5, uh, chapter 2, I should say, verses 5 to 16. 
where we, the Bible tells us that we should have this attitude, which was also in Christ Jesus. And then it goes on to give us an incredible uh, passage about the nature of Christ. And uh, we won't go into all, reviewing all of that this morning. But uh, John also said in 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, that whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. So if we want to have an excellent attitude, we need to have the attitude of Jesus Christ. And the first attitude that we looked at that was of Christ is the attitude of love. We looked at 1 Corinthians 13 and how chapter 10, verse 31 ends with Paul talking about spiritual gifts and he gets the end and he goes, and now let me show you the most excellent way. And then what does he talk about? Love in chapter 13. The most excellent attitude that we can have is the attitude of love. And when we allow love to be the foundation of our efforts, of our energies, of our interactions with one another, we create a foundation of excellence that is hard that is hard for the enemy to rail against. Because when we're excellent in love, we're excellent in the most important thing, love. Someone say amen. It is the most important thing. I'd read a quote from Napoleon Bonaparte, but he said, I know men and I tell you that Jesus Christ was no mere man. Between him and every other person in the world, there's no possible term of comparison. Alexander, Caesar, Charlemagne, And I have founded empires, but on what did we rest the creation of our genius? Upon force. Jesus Christ founded his empire upon love. And at this hour, millions would die for him. Napoleon was able to see that. Napoleon (laughs) was able to see that. You know, that, that love is what the empire of Christ, the kingdom of God, is built upon. And there is no greater attitude for us to have operating in our lives than love. Amen? Now, the second attitude that we find in that passage in Philippians is the Bible says that Jesus humbled himself even to death, death on a cross. Jesus humbled himself. Um, When we talk about humility, we're talking about, I think, the second most important attitude of Christ for us to emulate is the one of humility. And uh, humility is one of those things that is important for us to have, but it's very difficult to, to be able to say, I'm a humble person, right? It's, it's very hard to go out and say, I'm just going to demonstrate some humility today. You can say, I'm going to go out and demonstrate some love today, some kindness today, but to say, I'm going to go out and demonstrate some humility today is a little harder because humility is one of those attitudes that's very close to the heart. It's very close to our own personal self-perception. And, and you'll notice how that I pointed out a couple weeks ago that Jesus was only able to be humble because he truly knew who he was. The Bible, in fact, says that he humbled himself. He made himself of no reputation. He gave up glory. In fact, the Bible says that he, he didn't consider glory something to be held on to, or he, didn't, he thought it not robbery, the Bible says, to be equal with God. In other words, it's not robbery to consider yourself equal if you're already there. It's not robbery to consider your own house to be your house because it's your house. Well, in the same way, it wasn't robbery for Jesus to be considered God because he was God. But then he humbled himself and he made himself of no reputation. He took on the form of mankind and became a servant and humbled himself to death, even death on the cross. And that attitude is what affected his willingness to sacrifice for you and I. And probably the greatest demonstration of humility in our own lives is our willingness our willingness to lay down our rights, to lay down our privileges, to lay down the things that we know we're entitled to 
so that we may serve and make sacrifice for others. That's what Jesus did when he humbled himself on the cross. And here's the thing. You can't do that unless you know who you are. You can't do that in a healthy way unless you already know that you're a child of God. Because what happens is if, if you're not already in a disposition of health, then what ends up happening is that you start uh, instead doing these things to gain people's favor, to gain God's favor, to, to make sure that other people like you or appreciate you. No, 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 no. When you know who you are, when you know that you're a child of the king, then you can truly be humble and you can and make yourself of no reputation and serve and love others in humility. Remember, I mentioned that, you know, the humble person is the person who knows who they are if, if, and, and knows that they're a child of the king. And that it's not humility to walk around, you know, bragging about how poor you are or going, oh, woe is me. That's not humility. Humility is knowing and recognizing that I'm a child of the king and that all things are mine, and yet I'm willing to bow down and wash the feet of those that Christ brings before me. I'm willing to serve the sick. I'm willing to bless the infirmed. I'm willing to take care of those who are around about me because I'm a child of the king and he's enabled me to do so. Amen? That is true humility. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now I want to talk to you about the third attitude. The third attitude that we need, that we get from Philippians chapter 2. And I'm going to look at verses 9 to 11. Turn, to, if you turn your Bibles there. It says, uh, going on about the nature of Christ, therefore, everybody say therefore. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in between, in heaven, I should say, and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The third area that we need excellence in the attitude of Jesus is in understanding our authority as a child of the king, just as Jesus did. And to help us understand this a little further, we're going to flip back to Ephesians and go to Ephesians chapter 1, where Paul talks about uh, our authority again. And this is an incredible passage, Ephesians chapter 1, and uh, we're going to begin at verse 17. And listen to what Paul says here. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him uh, who fills everything in every way. Now that sounds a lot like what we just read in Philippians, that God has taken Jesus who humbled himself to death on the cross and has exalted him to the highest place. And given him the name that's above every name, that every knee should bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. And that he's placed him at the head. Amen? He's placed him at the head. Now, here's the interesting part. Let's read on in Ephesians uh, down to chapter 2 and verse 1. Listen to what Paul says. Not even skipping a beat. He moves on. As for you, everybody say me. 
He's talking about me here, right? As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. And verse 6, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Where has he seated us? With him in heavenly places. That, in other words, the authority and the position of authority that Jesus inherited after he humbled himself to death on the cross and, and he, that he now occupies and that we occupy it with him. We have been given the same authority that Christ himself possesses. And the Bible even says that Jesus said greater things. Everybody say greater things. Greater things will you do than I have done in your midst. That he said, you know, all authority I have given unto you as the Father has given unto me. Do you understand that when that Philippians and Ephesians are fulfillment of Jesus' own words when he spoke that? And so today you and I carry an authority as a believer that has been granted to us because of the completed work of Jesus Christ. Now here's what I think is true about this authority. We share an authority with Jesus only if, everybody say only, only if we also share his love and his humility. You see, Jesus had the authority because he loved himself, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And Jesus loved us and he went to the cross willingly. And then he humbled himself to death on that cross. And because he was love and humility, he was resurrected in power and authority. Likewise, I believe you and I need to walk in love and humility to wield his authority. Without love and humility, we cannot be trusted with authority. You hear that this morning? It's really that simple. You know, I have people sometimes who, who, who come to me and they get frustrated because, you know, they have not been given a position of authority or they want, they want to serve, but they want to serve on their terms, right? I remember the story when I first came here to Belleville, there was a young lad who came up to me and, and uh, he said, how are you doing, Pastor? This is like my first youth night in Belleville. And I said, good, good. How are you doing? Good, good. And he said, I just want you to know, he said, that I'm going to be going to Bible college and so I'm here for you. I said, oh, you are? He goes, yeah, yeah, I'm here for you. He goes, uh, I'm here to serve. He said, you need me to, you know, if you're sick or you need me to fill in and preach for you, lead worship, whatever, he said, I'm here for you. And I said, well, that's awesome. I could use you Wednesday night this week. You could? He goes, all right. I said, I'm ready. What do you need me to do? I said, well, I need you to come early on Wednesday. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, and we're going to reconfigure the entire room upstairs. I need to change all the way the chairs are set up. So if you could come and we got some chairs to set up, that would be awesome. Well, I, I, I don't think you understood me, Pastor. He said, uh, God's called me to preach. I, you know, I can volunteer for you to preach uh, or, you know, to maybe lead worship. But I, I, you know, not that, he didn't call me to set up chairs. Is that so? I said, well, you see, here's the way things are around here. I said, those who don't set up chairs don't preach. 
It's that simple. One of the beautiful things about uh, all the guys that we have working at the church here is their willingness to serve and do anything. You know, we, in COVID, revenue was down, so we, you know, had to make some cuts in the office and, uh, you know, and cleaning staff and, and, you know, and for the first almost year, who cleaned the church? Pastoral staff. They're here. Do it. You know, you know who cuts our church's grass? Pastor Mark McFall. Puts on his headphones, gets on there, listens to a podcast and gets on the riding tractor and cuts the grass every week. We'd, if someone wants to volunteer to do that, that would be great, but in, he doesn't complain. And until somebody comes and volunteers, he gets on the tractor and he cuts the grass. See, every person that we have serving is willing to serve in any capacity, any capacity in the house. And, you know, we don't make demands. We just have a humble heart and a loving heart, and we're willing to serve. And when you're willing to do that, then that makes you a trustworthy vessel for God to pour his authority into. It's that simple. It's that simple. Without love and without humility, I don't believe we can be trusted with authority. How many have ever met those people that for the first time in their life, they're given a position of authority and it goes to their head? You ever met those people? The reason it goes to their head is because they're not a person who was walking in, in love and humility first. Then when they were given the position of authority, it goes to their head and they start bossing everybody around and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I can't stand to be around that person. Right? We used to call them a PTer, power tripper. You know, as soon as they're given a little bit of authority, boom, they're just, you know, all over it. And, uh, you know, the reason they're like that is because they've not sufficiently been redeemed through his love and through humility. We need to enter those two schools to get authority. But if we'll embrace his love and have that attitude in us and have the attitude of humility, then God can give us an authority. I remember, I mean, one of the most startling things I, I was talking with Pastor Barry Boucher and he was, he was at an event in Ottawa where Mother Teresa showed up at this event and people were, it was a, an event where it was pro, a pro-life event and there were all these uh, people there protesting who were pro-choice and there's all these people who were pro-life there and, and it turned into quite an intense environment and, and Mother Teresa was there and all of a sudden, as soon as she walked to the crowd to come up to the platform, the whole place fell silent. And she walked through all these people. They stopped yelling. They stopped shouting. She went up to the podium and she began to speak. This little woman about this tall and she began to speak. And when she spoke, she spoke so quietly that everybody just silenced right down and listened and leaned into what she said. And she spoke with such authority that even those who disagreed with her listened with rapt attention. Where did she get her authority? Did she get it because she was tall and strong and powerful or loud and boisterous? No. She got it because of love and humility. She didn't have any sign that said, listen to me, I am the person you need to listen to in this. She didn't risk, list off her credentials or anything else. She simply stood up and walked in humility and in love and had authority. That's what's so sorely lacking in our world today. Is, is that, I know it's my mic doing it again. Did it a couple weeks ago. Do you want to hand me the handheld there, dear? I'll slitch toward it. It's right there underneath my mask. All right, is that better? 
No more popping. Snap, crackle, pop. You thought there was Rice Krispies being eaten up here on the platform. Uh, anyway, this is the nature of authority. And we carry such great authority as believers. But the reason the world doesn't recognize our authority most of the time is because it lacks love and humility. We're not going to win the world through political means. You're not going to change the country, uh, you know, by, you know, making sure that the, the politicians hear us. I mean, we tried that back in the 1970s and 80s with Jerry Falwell and the moral majority down in the States, right? And the political right became a, uh, the religious right, and they were loud, and they were vocal, and they were demanding their things. But you know what? That's never been the nature of Christ. I'm not saying we shouldn't get involved in politics. We should. We should get involved so we can go and we can humbly love and serve, right? But we win and gain authority through love and through humility. Amen? I know it's counterintuitive. I know we think to ourselves, but that's not what the world recognizes. It is what the world recognizes when it's genuine. Just like they recognize it, Mother Teresa, they recognize it in so many different people of faith throughout the years, they'll recognize it in us as well as we walk in love and in humility. Now, if you turn to verse 14, I'm going to talk about the last point here this morning. Verse 14 of Philippians chapter 2. The third point we're going to talk about is purity. The attitude of, of purity or of holiness. So we've talked about love and We've talked about humility. We've talked about our authority of Christ. Now let's talk about purity. Listen to what it says here. It says, do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. The fourth way that we have the excellent attitude of Christ is in uh, the purity of our heart. Paul instructed us to be blameless and pure, children of God, without fault, in contrast to, he said, to a crooked and depraved generation. And I know every generation has thought this, but they've always thought there's no generation more crooked and depraved than ours. But the truth of the matter is there's always been crooked and depraved generations. Amen? I mean, all you got to do is read the New Testament. And, and I've mentioned this to you before, but, you know, here's Jesus born and here's Herod a little bit concerned that Somebody, a king is being born that's going to challenge his authority, and he's able to issue an edict that every male child to and under is to be slaughtered. You think it's wicked in the world today. That's a level of wickedness we can't even comprehend. And it was followed. Soldiers went out and did what he said, and, and Joseph and Mary had to flee to Egypt to avoid it and save Jesus' life. Hello? So, you know, when you think, oh, Lord, you got to come soon because it's never been this evil before, baloney. It's been this evil before, and it could get worse. Who knows? Am I making any sense? And all, if, if, if just the people who think that it's never been more evil have just not studied any history. Study some history, and you'll find, you'll find that there's been wicked, depraved people around the world at just about every point in history. And in fact, if you, I would recommend that uh, everybody get a copy of a book called Factfulness. And the book will 
will tell you and, and just through statistical information show you that the world's never been better than it is today. And that might run completely opposite of the narrative that you have been raised in in your Christian experience. But if you get this book, Factfulness, and this guy's not even a believer, he's just stating the facts, global poverty, infant mortality, education, education rights for women, everything you can think of, every measurable that you can think of uh, has improved over the last 20 years, 30 years. And that the world has never actually been in a better place it's in now. I know, like I said, you won't believe it till you get the book. And I can't go into that today. I'm diverting from my message. But my point is that we, have, we do live in a depraved generation. So did the Apostle Paul. And so he was saying to us that we need to shine uh, as, as a light with our own purity. And then the interesting thing is, though, how do we get this kind of, of purity? How do we emulate this kind of purity that Paul's talking about? And this is the most startling thing, I think, in the entire passage in Philippians chapter 2. It's the man or woman who is free from and without any grumbling and complaining. Verse 14, do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Oh my goodness. I have heard more grumbling and arguing and complaining in the body of Christ in the last 18 months than I've heard in the last 20 years. It's time for it to end. Are you hearing me this morning? Oh, but this person did this, and this person broke this protocol, and this person did that, and this person demanded this. You know what? There, there are extremes on both sides of the aisle right now. And we all, as Christians, are people who are supposed to love everybody. I love anti-vaxxers. I love them. I'm not an anti-vaxxer, by the way. Vaccines are one of the greatest inventions of modern history. They have eradicated, debilitating, devastating diseases from the face of the planet. So I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I'm just not. But I'm also a great libertarian. I don't like government telling me what I have to do. Is anybody hearing me this morning? I'm a libertarian at heart. In fact, I'm a I created my own political ideology. I'm a moral libertarian because, you know, libertarians don't have any moral position. I do. So I'm a moral libertarian. Uh, I've made it up. It's mine. I own it. And, uh, and I'm going to probably have to copyright it. But uh, anyway, that's what I am. I'm a moral libertarian. Uh, I, I believe in, in people having uh, rights to self-determination because that's what God gave me. God gave me the thing called freedom of choice. Hello? Now, you're saying, are you, are you standing up here telling people they shouldn't get vaccinated? No, I'm not telling people that at all. I'm not telling that people that. What I'm telling this church to do is to love everybody. You know, the church used to love people who were lepers as well as people who weren't lepers. The church loved people who had the Spanish flu, and they loved people who didn't have the Spanish flu. The church loved people who had polio and those who didn't have polio. The church was there serving and loving everybody regardless of what was going around, what the latest thing was. Do you know what? There'll be be other things that will come. And how we handle them and how we go forward as believers is really the mark of whether Christ is in us or not. And when we argue and divide and, and get into petty stuff back and forth, that's not God. 
Hello? It's getting awful quiet in here. I refuse to shun somebody just because they disagree with me. I won't make my basis of relationship, you know, whether this person agrees with all of my positions on things or not. Are you hearing me this morning? And, and if we get like that, then how are we any different than the world? The world is so divided right now. And we're getting more subdivided all the time as there's just more and more causes come up all the time. And, and you know, and you just, you hear about them constantly. You know, since the outbreak of COVID last March, we've had, you know, a huge, uh, you know, expression through Black Lives Matter. Then they had the uh, Palestinian, uh, you know, uh, Israeli conflict and people protesting in Toronto over that. There's been renewed um, movements in the Me Too movement, uh, especially now with Cuomo down in the States and all the rest of this stuff. I mean, it's just, there's one thing after another, after another, after another, and it never ends. I read an excellent article this week about, from a, a guy talking about how the church has become divided as well. And we've become divided along these political politically divided ideological lines. And he, he said, why is it that we've become so divided? And, and what he said, I just, just about blew me right off my chair. He said, Christians have become passionate about these political positions because they stopped being passionate about Christ. Wow. Stopped being compassionate about Christ. I want to be passionate about Jesus. I want to be passionate about Jesus. And yeah, if I have to get vaccinated to travel or if I have to do this to travel, whatever. It's called the, the price of serving Jesus Christ. Whatever you have to do. I told a person, I said, I'm not afraid of COVID. I'm not afraid of a vaccine. I'm not afraid of either one. And if that offends you, then remember what I just said. Be more passionate about Jesus than you are about political ideology. The point that I'm getting at this morning is that we will shine, Paul said, like the stars in the sky when we rid ourselves of complaining and arguing. It's time for the church to rid itself of complaining and arguing. You know, when we're complaining, why do we usually complain? Because we believe we've been violated in some way. Whether someone cut in front of us in line, uh, whether someone cut us off in traffic, whether uh, our spouse didn't, you know, said something that offended us. Uh, How do we pick up these offenses? We pick them up because we feel that we're entitled to a certain position or a certain treatment or a certain behavior and attitude from other people. But if we've practice love and humility, we let go of that sense of entitlement. And when somebody else does something that could be interpreted as harmful to us, we're allowed and able to let it go. Because guess what? Love and humility have given me the authority to be able to walk through life without arguing and complaining. If I've let go of my rights and given them over to Christ, then I no longer have to worry about being offended. Amen? So we're going to lay down the arguing, complaining, and we're going to love and serve one another in Christ.
That's what we're going to do. And we're going to be a people who will walk that out regardless of what happens, regardless of what government mandates come down, regardless of whatever we have to do. Just, just so you know, you know, um, can I just help clear up some things? The, the vaccine, by the way, as much as I realize uh, these things are fresh and new and all the rest of it, there, there is no microchip in the vaccine. All right. Uh, Wayne even went in and asked for the one that had the microchip in it and, and couldn't get it. So although he did say afterwards he had a strange desire to hug Bill Gates, but, uh, you know, after he got it. But, but the, the point that I'm getting at is there, there's, no, there's no microchip in there. there. You know, there isn't some evil plot in the governments of the world to come along and to, to destroy everybody's lives. It's counterproductive. All right? You hear what I'm saying this morning? However, similarly, those who are pro-vaccine, a lot of people have not gotten the vaccine, and it's not because they're anti-vaxxers. They've had their children vaccinated. They've had their family vaccinated. It's because they're concerned about something that's been rolled out in just a couple years, and they're looking at it, and they have lots of different reasons. There was an excellent article in CTV did this week where they, they asked the 18 percent of the population that has decided they're not going to get vaccinated yet, why they've done it. And they wrote in, and, and we even had our own Gabe Bover who got quoted in the article, and he said he's waiting for uh, the vaccine being put out by a Canadian company called Novavax, which is being based on the antigen of the virus rather than the mRNA technology. So it'll be like a traditional vaccine. They'll use an inert amount of a, a virus, my understanding is, and then, and then use that to cause antibodies in your body and they're developing that in Canada even as we speak, and it should be available in December. Other people had medical reasons, and I read it with quite interest that, that they didn't vilify people for, for not getting the vaccine. And we shouldn't be vilifying people for not getting it, and we shouldn't be vilifying people for getting it. Are you hearing me this morning? We should be Christians. Christ first, everything else second. Yep. Right. Well, it's like what you're saying is, was I said right from the beginning, I, I agree, is that I said to people right from the beginning, um, whether it's COVID or any other infectious disease that comes along, the reality is, as Christians, we need to be of the opinion that God will protect me. Amen? And if I do get it, then God can deliver me. And if I die, God will receive me. Amen? And that doesn't mean you go out looking to get the virus either. Hello? Uh, you know, you don't get stupid uh, and you don't take precautions. I'm just saying the reality is, is that we, we walk out Christ first. Christ first in all things. Christ first in me, Christ first in you, Christ first. And that means love, humility, the authority based on love and humility, and then walking without complaining and grumbling so we have purity. If we have that attitude in us, we're not only going to make it through this thing, we're going to thrive. We're going to thrive. And I just want to implore you as your pastor to practice that kind of Christianity with one another. You know, you're going to run into all kinds of people. I've ran into people that are so worked up about this on both sides of the spectrum that I have to encourage them to just take a breath and relax. Take a breath and relax. 
and recognize that God is bigger than this problem. He's bigger than the pandemic, just like he's bigger than cancer, just like he's bigger than, than you know, polio or tuberculosis or any other thing that we could encounter in this world. God is bigger than all of them. Amen? And we need to be his servants and his hands and his mouth speaking that kind of peace to the world without grumbling or complaining. And then Paul says, we'll shine like stars in the sky. Now, notice about this, and this is about my closing comment. This kind of attitude isn't rare. Stars are not rare. There's billions of them in the sky. But they shine so brightly because they're pitted against such a dark backdrop. And that's what, how, why we shine. We, we, we don't shine because we're rare. This attitude doesn't have to be rare. There's, there's like a, over a, billions, a billion Christians, two billion Christians on the planet Earth right now. We're not rare, but we shine because we're pitted against a backdrop that seems so dark, right? And so in the midst of all of this stuff that's going on, shine brightly in the midst of it. Shine brightly. Be that person who's walking in love and humility and authority and without complaining and arguing, and you are going to shine in this world today. Amen? Let's stand together this morning. Praise the Lord. I know this has been a tough message this morning. And, uh, you know, it's hard to go through life without offending anybody. So I quit trying a long time ago. Now I just try to offend as few people as possible. (laughs) I want you to know that my wife and I, we love you, and we're so proud of the way the vast majority of the body of Christ in the city of Belleville have handled themselves and carried themselves. Um, We are so excited about the potential that we have to impact our world, and we just want you to be part of it. We don't want you to miss out on any of it. Amen? So, Father, we just thank you today for the attitude of Christ, which needs to also be in us. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your grace and your goodness and your kindness. And, Lord, uh, we just are reminded once again this morning how, Father, we need to let that attitude be in us, and that needs to be the first passion in us. It's Christ first. And, Father, if we would put our passions and our, our affections and set them upon you rather than some kind of a political viewpoint or ideology. Lord, we can get through this and get through this in a powerful, powerful way. Father, I pray that God, that the, the authority of the church of Jesus Christ would develop through love and humility and purity, that is, without complaining and, and arguing. And Father, we would find ourselves walking and shining as lights in this world today. Father, fill your church with victory and power in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you. Have an amazing week.